People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, and I have my eyeglasses on, my spy glasses, <laughs> and I've got a secret recording device in my pocket, and I'm pretending to be a CIA agent. Well, I'm Nancy Drew. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, then I'll be the Hardy Boys, both of them. Well, anyway, what was, what was your favorite television, like, detective spy show or anything like that? Well, one of my favorite shows today is Without a Trace. I love that show. Have you seen that show with I haven't Anthony seen it LaPaglia? I can't find it. It's Without a Trace. I, I don't know where it is. It's, <laughs> I, I can never find it on my television. Oh, it's wonderful because they, they map out these little cases where people disappear. And what's great about it is they usually find the person at the end of the show. A couple of times it's been not a great outcome, but uh, it's always neat how they invest and the show's so well done. Oh, so they just look for missing people. Yes. It's like without a trace. Like they just vanish without a trace. Did that many people just vanish each, oh, every day? Or? At the end of the show or during the show, they have these clips of people who are missing. Real people. Real people. And it always surprises me because, you know, a lot of times you always think that people who are missing are young kids. But a lot of times it's like a 30-year-old woman or a 50-year-old man. And you're like, what happened to these people? They're just missing. And what usually happened to them? They just... Well, on the show, it's a variety of things. I mean, there's always a different plot every week. But the flashcards that they put up on the screen, it just says this person disappeared 1999. They were uh, 40 years old. This is what they look like. And I'm like, you're here one day and you're not the next but you're not actually, they don't know what happened to you. It's just, it's kind of a, a weird feeling. You know, I had a cat once that just disappeared, and you're like, what happened to the cat? Well, that's pretty easy to but figure out. But maybe it's out. just missing. It's that pack of coyotes in the backyard. Well, today we're going to be talking to Jill McMaster. She's a transplant recipient, and she worked for the CIA. That's right, and she's always in disguise. Honey, did you restrict your fluids today? Yes, dear. Did you turn your back on potatoes, bananas, and avocados? I took a quick peek and then looked the other way. Did you eat all your protein? Lovely weather we're having, isn't it? Honey, you know you need your protein because of the dialysis. Having a hard time with the protein? Do you loathe liver? Are you baffled at the massive amounts of beef? Are you terrified of tofu? Then try drinking your protein, and I'm not talking about liver beef tofu smoothies. Protein powder that you can buy at your local store is perfect and delicious way to get that protein when you need it. Just make sure you read the label. Low sodium, low potassium, and low sugar. You know the drill, so next time someone asks... Did you eat all your protein today? You can say... Not only did I eat it, but I loved it. 
I had a breakfast shake, and then I put some in my coffee, and then I made some muffins with it, and then I... There are protein powders out there that have as much as 24 grams of protein in just one serving. No sugar and low in sodium and potassium. So drink up and be healthy. Well, welcome to the show, Joe McMaster. Well, thank you yes. very much. We go back a long time, you and I. Oh, yeah, you're old friends. <laughs> I just met her at the pep training program. I know, this is so exciting. And you had some kind of exciting news. You made an announcement. What was that exciting news? Oh, yesterday was a red letter day. We have new regulations in Congress that have now been announced to the Department of Justice that it is perfectly legal for living donor-paired kidney exchanges and the donation to the list exchange. And this is going to increase the number of people who get living donor kidneys transplants, and it's also going to take people off the waiting list. So explain that exactly what that means. And so in the past, you basically can get on the transplant list, and then somebody, if you know somebody, can give you a kidney. Now it's all going to change, because if you have somebody that can give you a kidney and they don't match, explain that process. How many times have I heard, or have you heard, I had somebody who wanted to give me a kidney, my husband, my sister, my child, but we weren't compatible. Yeah. So here I am waiting on the deceased donor list. That's a term in the past, because now what will happen is if Joe wants to donate to his wife Mary, and they're not compatible, and Sue wants to donate to her friend Bill, and they're not compatible, well, it could be crisscross. Joe can donate to Sue, and Bill can donate to Mary. Wow. And so you're in trouble if you don't have any friends like you, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> but Speak what, for yourself. What happens then is two people donate, and two people receive, and both couples win. Wow. And it, and the reason this was illegal, why wow, this is even before the Department of Justice, is because there was considered value if you did this, correct? Right. It is against the federal law for a donation for valuable consideration. When the law was written in 1986, the idea was there wasn't to be an exchange of money. There wasn't to be an exchange of jobs. There wasn't going to be, you know, we'll give you a college education if you give my loved one to kidney. That's valuable consideration. But now the idea is if I give you a kidney, then your donor will give my loved one a kidney. And so people thought this could very possibly be valuable consideration and it would be against the law. And now there's been a clarification that it's not against the law and more and more people can have these exchanges. And so that means more and more programs will invest in them and really help patients find paired exchanges, correct? Yes, and in because fact... Because it's not illegal. Right. And in fact, UNOS, which is the United Network for Organ Sharing, is going to have a national database. The more people, the more pairs that are in a database, the higher the probability that there's going to be a good match. And so more and more pairs will be matched. More and more people will be able to benefit from this. So it's still illegal to like offer somebody a PlayStation 2 for a kidney. Exactly. You can't exactly. Do that. You can't buy or sell kidneys in the United States. That's against the federal law. However, your loved one can donate an organ and somebody else can give you an organ and that is not against the law. Now, is there something you you have to do with UNOS or are if you're on the UNOS list for a transplant, you're automatically in this program or do you, is this a separate program you have to register for? It's something you would work with your transplant team on. 
your donor would have to go through a series of tests. To oh, you have sure. to have a donor? Yes, oh, yes. Okay. okay, you know, you're, you're, you're at this point, you're acting as a team. You're mm-hmm. a, a shared um, a partnership. So two people come and your transplant team would take a look at your donor and they would be evaluated for their health. You know, nobody's gonna take an organ if it's gonna hurt the, the um, donor. It's, there's going to be a psychological profile. Um, you don't want the person to be under uh, duress. You know, you will give me an organ. Um, so if, if after all of these tests, if the individual is a suitable donor, even though they're not compatible mm-hmm. with the intended recipient, so you have a pair, you have a intended recipient and a donor, then that pair would be put into a national database, and there would be attempt for matching nationally. Wow, the transplant centers are going to be busy. This is going to really increase donations. I've heard of this before. I heard of this months ago that a few places were doing this three-way transplant. Yes, and in fact, the record is a six-way transplant at the Johns Hopkins no, University. Right. I saw that on the news. That's right, but you know, it was questionable legality. And nobody was going to force the issue because right. it's it was a good thing. It was the right thing to do. But we now have the law changed, and so there's absolutely no question of legality. So one of the things I thought that was interesting that you mentioned was is that if a loved one gives a kidney to somebody, like they donate a kidney, then you can go to the, the next deceased donor kidney? How does that work? Okay, that's another thing that was changed as of yesterday, Um, and it's all very exciting news. Say, for example, your loved one and you are not compatible. Okay, then you go and say... That's like me and my wife. (laughs) (laughs) You go to this new living donor paired kidney exchange database, and they try and try and try, and they can't find a compatible pair for the exchange. What you can do now is that your loved one can donate to the next person on the list who would receive uh, this living donation. Who's on the deceased donor list? Who's on the deceased donor list. And then you go to the top of the list to receive the next deceased donor that's compatible with you. You basically switch places with them, right? By getting them a kidney, you're switching your place with them, in a a sense? In a sense, but not exactly. Because the fact that you are not compatible with your intended donor means that you're not switching place one for one. You know, it could be that your blood type is an O and your donor is an A, and so so your donor goes to an A, but you're going to go to the top of the O O list. So it's not an exact switching place. There's several lists, really. But you're not you're not taking any deceased donation away, and in fact, you're adding a kidney to the pool. pool. And so, really, everybody, even the people on the list, are winning. Because there's over about seventy five thousand people on the list that, right now. That's a good approximation. Yes, yes, waiting for kidneys, not other organs, just kidneys. That's right. I was talking to a doctor last night at this function from UCLA, and he said that there's approximately in just the city of Los Angeles, there's two thousand people on the waiting list in Los Angeles, and that's why the the wait is five to seven years in Los Angeles. I didn't know that specific statistic, but it doesn't surprise me. The wait around the country varies by region. And um, the best way to find out what the weight is, you can go to the unos.org database um, website, and they have data for all of the areas of the country to know how long is the waiting list. That's exactly what I did, to tell you the truth, because I was on the waiting list at UCLA. And I didn't go to UNOS, but I just clicked in kidney transplant, and you can get 
any number of hospitals that do kidney transplants. And I just made a list and I called them. That's you right. Know, and I said, what's your wait list? That's wait, right. The one thing I didn't do is see after I did go to UNOS is after I chose the uh, two that were closest to me that uh, were the shortest wait list, I did go to UNOS to find out what their success rate was. And I had to take myself off the list on one of them because their success rate was kind of substandard. But I did, I did find one, you know, quite good that has an 18-month to two-year wait list. You're clearly a patient advocate. You are looking <laughs> for data, and the data is available. Kidney disease is one of the most highly studied, quantitatively accurate, quantitatively collected information in the entire country. Um, they have all sorts of data on, uh, the government has all sorts of data on dialysis patients, on kidney transplant recipients, on success rates of doctors. There is data out there for somebody who wants to look for it. Now, how did you get interested in this? What, are you, you have a history of kidney disease? My family has the gene that causes polycystic kidney disease. This is a dominant gene, and if you remember um, the monk Mendel and his pea plants, you know, that uh, a dominant gene has the probability of being passed along to um, the child at a 50-50 rate, 50-50% rate. In my family, everybody inherited this gene. Wow. And so I do not remember a time when I didn't know about kidney disease. Well, when we come back, we're going to find out much more about UNOS and about kidney transplants and about a little bit more about your history, too. Dr. Mr. Shelton's in room three. Thank you. Mr. Shelton. Mr. Shelton. Ah, yes, doctor. What seems to be the problem today? Um, I'm having a problem not being able to sleep. Really? I also find it difficult to breathe. Can we open a window or turn on a fan or something? Certainly. Uh, let me ask you, do you feel depressed? No, I, I don't think so. But, but I do think my life is worthless, and I don't enjoy things I used to. And I feel like the whole world may blow up. But other than that, not really. That's weird. I also have a problem concentrating. Like the other day, do you know how they get those model ships in those bottles? Actually, I will have a cheeseburger. Of course I can do the Macarena. Oh, see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mr. Shelton? M Mr. Shelton! Uh, yes, doctor. You obviously have low energy. That's amazing. How did you know? Mr. Shelton, I believe you're anemic. Actually, I'm half Irish, but my dad knows someone in Armenia. No, ar ar anemic. We'll give you a simple blood test and we'll run your hematocrit. It needs to be at least 33%. We'll have you back to normal in no time. Some of the medications we can give you while you're doing your dialysis. Managing anemia results in a more active, happier, better quality of life, and studies show you may even live longer. Mr. Shelton? Mr. Shelton! Nurse, patient removal, room three. Yes, doctor. And we're back with Jill McMaster. Now, Jill, your family, you said they all had kidney disease. Now, do anybody else in your family have kidney transplants or are in dialysis? What? Everyone. Has a transplant. Um, I have um, a brother. Well, you took up half the Eunice uh, chart. 
<laughs> just your family alone. My family isn't that large. Uh, my mother passed away from polycystic kidney disease in the days prior to um, the time when you could get a transplant from a non-relative, and she was one of the first people on hemodialysis. My aunt passed away in the early days of transplant, but she did have a, a early transplant. My aunt had two children, and I have two cousins. One cousin had a transplant and passed away later. Um, my second cousin had a transplant and has gone back on dialysis. My older sister has a transplant, and my older brother had a transplant but just passed away last year after 22 years with a oh, transplant. Wow. So you have had kidney, kidney, kidney your whole life. You didn't know anything else. That's correct. I do, don't remember a time that kidney disease wasn't you know, dinnertime conversation. And did your family promote you to become involved? Because you are on the UNOS board, which is amazing for patients because you're a great advocate for us and really helping the community understand the issues that patients face and having a voice on this board. I would say my aunt was the one that started the family advocacy. In the late 1960s, she volunteered at the University of Colorado to be part of a genetic study to help find the gene for polycystic kidney disease. And part of a genetic study is to get as many um, blood-related members of the family to give blood samples, participate in the clinical study. And uh, my whole family participated. And from that point on, I've always been involved in a clinical study of one kind or another in different organizations, and um, I'm out there educating, advocating, promoting, whatever I can do. And now, how long have you had your transplant? My transplant is nine years old. Nine years old, and is it from a living donor? No, it is from a deceased it donor. It's a deceased donor. Now, did you keep working? Oh, absolutely. Um, I um, worked up until the day that they called me for my transplant, and I was out of work for six weeks with the transplant and I went back to work immediately. After six months, I went and had a bilateral nephrectomy. That means I had both of my polycystic kidneys organs removed. And at that time I was out of work eight weeks because it was a much more- That's a painful surgery. It's a very significant surgery. Why did they remove your kidneys? Polycystic kidneys, I mean, poly is many and cystic is is cysts. So my kidneys were very, very large. They weighed about 14 pounds. Ah, that's a great diet that I'd like to to be on. (laughs) You don't want to have your kidneys removed to lose that kind of weight. Now, you had an interesting job, I understand. What, What is that interesting job you have? I work for the Central Intelligence Agency. Is it top secret to tell us what you did there? Um, I had many, many jobs, and I choose not to divulge any details. Did it involve disguises of any kind? <laughs> I choose you... not to have divulged. So, uh, so uh, with kidney disease, you were like this secret devil agent. Yes. What's that show that's on TV? You guys I just... think it's Deal or No Deal. <laughs> so, so you're really dedicated to this UNIS program? Absolutely. This, what information that has come out this last week about living donor paired kidney exchange, I believe, is the most important information we have gotten in the last few years. Um, I believe that living donation is truly the future. Even if every family of, of a deceased individual agreed to contribute to donate their loved one's mm-hmm. organs, there still would not be enough organs to go around for the people on the waiting list. So living transplant is the way of the future. What are some of the UNOS's initiatives? Is there anything that they're doing to help get the word out? There is actually a different organization called Donate Life America that is promoting the organ donation, and I am, don't have inside information on that. When I was looking for a kidney, and Kmart 
didn't seem to happen. Um, I went on the internet and, you know, I could buy a kidney from another country. You know anything about that? Or that's legal, right? Oh, that's absolutely illegal in the United States. You, um, but if, I could go but to that other if country. you went to the other country and bought right. a kidney, you would be called a transplant tourist. There's actually a jargon in any any specialized area, um, and that is the jargon of somebody going overseas to buy a kidney. Um, yes, you can do that. And there's tons of ads in the on the internet for it too. That's right, especially for India and China. But do you know what the background of that kidney is? Do you know if it has been well nourished? Do you know what kind of drugs they've had? Do you know what coercion that individual had for the donation of that kidney? Do you know what kind of medical treatment that donor is going to have following up? And then the question comes when you come back to the United States, will your physician treat you? Right, that's true. And I know that I had a friend that went to China and had a kidney, got bought a kidney and everything. And, you know, he did have some side effects. You know, he just craves egg rolls from now on. Every, every meal, he has to have egg rolls. Egg rolls. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> well, this is incredible that you're um, able to share all this information because this is just hot off the press. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, you know, to think that uh, the only downside of this that I can see is that transplant doctors are going to be even more difficult to get a hold of. We really need more of them. We need more transplant clinics because when I go to my clinic right now, it's packed. Um, we're going to have to find more rooms, more chairs, because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be transplanted. And once they get transplanted, they need to follow up care. So that's another show. Well, I, but I it's going to be I exciting. I know they can get a good deal on the chairs, though. One of the advantage of a living donor transplant is that it can be scheduled. Your doctor isn't going to be called at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, I know, but I've just thought the follow-up care right. is that that's one of the things that's a concern of mine is that there's more and more transplant patients. There's more and more of us living longer. And there doesn't seem to be an increase in doctors and healthcare professionals at the rate of patients who are living longer. And it is. It's a crisis. I mean, it's difficult to get into even see your transplant clinic or get in to see a doctor nowadays. And I think that's going to be the next biggest issue. Um, well, we're facing it now uh, because the follow-up care, once you get a transplant, it's not a cure. It's another form of treatment. Right. And it takes serious follow-up care to maintain a healthy organ. Right. No, it's there's a huge, there's a huge healthcare professional shortage. So in addition to uh, family and friends, everybody telling people to go out and be organ donors, go out and tell your family and friends to become healthcare professionals. So this um, is all those vacancies. So all those people working in McDonald's, they if you got tired of slaying burgers, <laughs> just become a vascular surgeon. Okay, okay, think happy, positive thoughts. Happy, positive thoughts. Rainbows, puppies, and chocolate. Rainbows, puppies, and chocolate. Rainbows, puppies, and chocolate. Here we go. Rainstorms, pit bulls, and cheap candy. Are you tired of tape burns, infections, and embarrassing slips of your PD catheter? Hurricanes, coyotes, and old fish sticks. I know she is. There's a revolutionary new product for dialysis patients developed by a dialysis patient. The PD security band will hold your catheter in place without using tape helps prevent infections, and is custom-made to fit your own body shape and size. It's long-lasting, affordable, and best part is, it's comfortable. For more details and get to your own PD security ban, log on to www.patientpride.com. Oh, tsunamis, rabies, and food poisoning! Like I said, that's www.patientpride.com.
You know what? I don't think that was Jill McMaster. <laughs> I think she was in disguise right here and now. Oh, man. But she didn't fool me. You know, the, those plastic Groucho Marx glasses? <laughs> that disguise didn't work for you? She wouldn't tell me anything that I wanted to know. <laughs> I kept asking her questions. She goes, I can't, I can't say that. I can't say that or I'll have to kill you. <laughs> I'll have to kill you, right. I can't tell you. I have to kill you if well, I tell you. Well, she knows so much information about transplantation. I mean, we're so lucky for her to be on the UNOS board, the United Network for Organ Sharing, and uh, be a patient representative. So cool about the uh, three-way transplant. And so the if pair you have donation. A, right. If you, have oh, a, if you have an organ or one of your relatives, but it doesn't match you, you can switch it for something else plus a hot dog and it's kind of complicated, but it works. It's exciting that this legislation is going to pass and the Department of Justice said it was okay. And I think it's really going to help increase the number of organs that are available out there. And hopefully the people out there who've been waiting for transplants will get them sooner rather than later. Yeah, but you got to take off your disguises and can't sneak around so they know who you are. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.